Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Highway to Hail, a podcast brought to you by the Michigan Daily and the Michigan Daily Sports Section. I'm your host, Paul Nasser. With the NCAA softball tournament kicking off soon, the softball beat joins the pod to discuss Michigan's postseason outlook. Enjoy! So we got the softball beat joining me from uh, all over the country today via Zoom. We got people in Myrtle Beach in California and Michigan. And to start us off, uh, the old saying goes, uh, April showers bring May flowers. So if you, if you were to like reincarnate into a flower in which you're like aware that you remember, you're aware that you're a flower, but like you still got to sit there like all day. You can't do anything. You can't talk to anyone. You're just a flower. Uh, you know, what kind of flower or any plant for that matter would you be and why? Uh, Charlie, you want to start us off from the from uh, the Bay Area there? Yeah, I, I think I would want to be a violet because I think the name violet is really cool. I don't know what the flower looks like. I assume it's that color, but uh, I, I, I would want to be a violet because it's a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I I, uh, I drove past a field of lavender today, and you know, it was, it was pretty <laughs> chill, just like nice and purple, little, little like fun, some bud and stuff. Smells nice. I feel like that would just be like a pretty chill flower to be. Nice. Good insight from Noah in South Carolina. Josh, Josh and Joey, you're um, here in Michigan. Josh, what you got? I think I think I'll be a rose. Roses have really pretty petals. Um, they're kind of fun. I don't know. They also got some spikes though, so they they've got a little hidden underside. Nice. Very nice. I mean, thinking about Paul's question from his from the way that he asked it, even though it's not my favorite flower, I would definitely be a sunflower simply because sunflowers tend to follow the sun so your view at least changes the whole time which is kind of nice so uh you wouldn't be as motionless so i would appreciate being a sunflower i love i love these answers probably one of the really interesting ones uh i was also gonna say sunflower for like because i think that like i could eat the seeds and have food but i guess it doesn't actually work like that uh i'll go with the venus flytrap then you know i could like not that I like eating flies, but like it's you got to do something with your day, you know. If you're if you're a flower, these are things we can think about a lot at a later time. But much to consider. Um, but let's dive into some softball. Uh, Michigan softball is obviously heading to Orlando uh, for the UCF region. Um, before we talk about the NCAA tournament, though, let's talk about let's kind of backtrack. We had you guys on the pod uh, a few weeks ago now, I think maybe a month or two ago, and a lot a little bit's changed since then. Can you guys give me some takeaways and? Fill us in on what has maybe changed with the team or what's the same, however you guys want to take it. Just what's been going on since we last met on the podcast. Uh, fire away, guys. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a while. I think the last time that we talked, uh, the Big Ten play hadn't even started. Uh, oh, it has that been. That really yeah. was only about two months ago, but at the same time, for Michigan softball, that was a lifetime ago. And so, I mean, I'm sure that everyone else in the podcast would agree. It's, it's been up and down. And that's kind of been uncharacteristic for Michigan, at least in the Big Ten. Um, you know, they they started off with an 0-4 record, climbed out of that hole progressively throughout the season, and kind of ended on a hot streak. Um, and so my, my biggest takeaway so far is that I've seen a lot of resilience, um, resiliency in this team because especially in games that they've been down um, and, and from how they started to how they finished, I think you can kind of see that, that they've just steadily been improving um, yeah, and that's, that's been my biggest takeaway so far. Cool. Cool. 
Yeah, I mean, uncharacteristic is definitely the big adjective that you're going to see um, over and over, especially in reference to uh, the beginning of Big Ten play. But that has led to a variety of just new realities for this team, both good and bad. I mean, back when we talked on the pod previously, it was a conversation about um, Alex Draco and Megan Bobian as co-aces. Um, now we stand here at the end of the season, and overall this pitching staff has really strengthened. But ultimately, Alex Draco has kind of distanced herself as the ace of this team. And while we will definitely be seeing all of these pitchers, both experienced and um, some younger ones as well, contributing in the regional coming up here, it will ultimately rely on Alex Straco being being the, the single ace here. So that combined with a batting order that's de- that's increased with several contributors, um, it, it's it's definitely a different Michigan softball team than something we've been uh, used to in past years. And that goes both towards positives and negatives. Yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned that like Bobian has been has become like the second starter compared to Straka, and that's definitely true. But you can see that like Hutch still uses Bobian in her spots. Like in the semifinal of the Big Ten tournament against Northwestern, you know, Straka gives up a lot of home runs. Northwestern hits a lot of home runs. So Bobian started and Bobian pitched really well. She went, I think, four innings. We drew Annabelle Weidra went the rest of the way, mm-hmm. and it ended up working out really well. Um, things are getting uh, real. Yeah, so I'll uh, just take over South for Carolina second. there. Um, <laughs> I would say, like, the overall narrative of the season, at least in Big Ten play, has been like digging the, the team digging itself out of an early hole. Um, going 0 and 4, and I guess 1 and 4 after the first two full series of Big Ten play is pretty challenging. and to be able to sneak into a, a, the last buy of the Big Ten tournament and to make the run that they did, kind of getting their revenge against Northwestern and coming just short against Nebraska, who they lost those first two games to, is kind of a, a little bit of like a sweet comeback story. But it's still like that heartbreaking loss to Nebraska in the final, and there's a lot left for the team to prove. Nice. Really yeah, good insight. Oh, Noah's back. Going back, to, going back to what I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted by a car alarm. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, yes, Starocco is the one, but Bobian will have her spots, Weidra will have her spots, Lorenzo will have her spots. It's like you said, they'll use everyone. But as much as it is Starocco's lead now, I don't think like she's like it, you know, I mm. guess if that makes sense. Definitely. Well, I good, agree, good insight all around. Yeah, Charlie, what do you got? Well, I agree with Noah, and the other interesting thing, kind of looking at the statistics about this team is, I feel that one place that we've kind of aired is we've looked at things and we've seen like, oh, you know, the shakiness in pitching has been a problem. But if you look at the pitching staff ERA as a whole, Michigan had the best team ERA um, from its pitchers. But the interesting thing that, that was different was Michigan's um, at the plate, its batting average was the worst it was in 10 years. And so if you want to talk about the team struggles, throughout the season, um, which obviously I don't think they're struggling right now. I think that they're playing some of their best softball, and Coach Hush definitely agrees with that. She's mentioned that multiple times in this past week. But um, I think the early struggles really kind of were brought on by like just the, the, the incapability of Michigan to consistently bat like well. It would have games where it was great and games where it just didn't show up. And I think that that has kind of been the issue throughout the season. And even this past weekend, right, like, obviously, 
Danielle Williams and Nebraska's pitcher were great, but managing what was like, what was it, uh, either four, six or seven hits for the weekend for those two games really wasn't enough. And so I think that, close the door. that Michigan is going to make a run in this postseason. There's, the bats are going to need to get hot. Yeah, and you could see what the bats are capable of just one game earlier in the first round against Maryland. I mean, seven runs and like just dominant showing. It Basically, the door. almost a run rule. Um, the bats definitely quieted down after the fifth, but you, you could see that there, the explosiveness is there. It just needs to come out more often at the right times. Yeah, really good stuff. Obviously, you know, in any season, things things always develop throughout the year. And uh, both you guys, a couple of you guys have hinted at it that, you know, things are starting to come together a little bit, uh, you know, as we saw in the, the Big Ten tournament. So what did you guys see exactly? Uh, you know, Michigan makes a run. I, I read your prediction article a week or two ago. I think only Josh had a – I believe it was Josh who had Michigan in the in the championship. Everyone else uh, did not think they made it. So how did Michigan end up going all the way there and – and how do they, you know, end up piecing those games together and take down, take down some good teams, make it down there? Yeah. Well, I mean, Charlie touched on the the like the issues with with batting, and um, you know, any longtime follower of this program is definitely not going to be unfamiliar with those as issues. But I, those the loss to Nebraska ultimately had that identity, and that kind of defined that. But it came from a way more different context and the context that got them to that championship in the first place, which was a ton of uh, grit and ability to fight back, especially at the plate um, as, as of late in the last 12 games that they played, including that championship um, eight of which have been wins, by the way, half of them were comeback wins. So they have had a little bit of a spike in production at the plate at the right time. And they've been able to come through when the pressure has been on. So it's an especially good sign going into a time when that's obviously going to be needed with the NCAA regional coming up. Um, But those inconsistencies are, are trending in, in a positive direction um, just at the right time here. So Joey just gave us the macro view of like what allowed Michigan to come back. But if we're talking specifically about what won Michigan, that Northwestern game, it's Taylor bump and Taylor bump throughout the season like has like Michigan started off slow and gained a lot of steam and she has been I think Michigan's I don't think anyone here would disagree she's Michigan's most clutch player like two outs one strike and she hits a two-run bomb to basically win the game for Michigan so that is what pushed Michigan to victory in that game that game was really tight if Michigan had lost if Taylor Bump had popped out um, it would have just been bed because of a weird wild pitch on a miss, missed intentional walk. But um, I think like just I think we need to talk a little bit about Taylor Bump and kind of like her contribution there, because you could say it was Michigan as a whole, like figuring it out and coming up clutch. But also, I think you have to give credit where credit is due. Taylor Bump won that game for Michigan. Yeah. Um, but the thing is not to quote Hutch, but to if Taylor Bump wouldn't have even gotten the chance to bat in the first place if Hannah Carson hadn't hit that clutch single to get on base and put uh, the winning run at home. Um, so I think it's important to note that there's some other clutch bats at play here. That, I mean, that's true, but at the same time, Taylor Bump's home run was one of three hits all game. 
So I'm not. I'm not arguing that. Yeah. 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 Right. I just, but I it's also. Hey, argue it. If you want to argue it, go hits. for it. It's one of three hits all game against like one of the best pitchers in the country. You know, like it's gonna happen. Teams are gonna. Like, so many teams that face Northwestern got shut down by Daniel Williams. Like, yes, they need to hit better, but you're not going to face an ace like that every game. Um, against Oklahoma, if they make it there, they probably would. But, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I actually wanted to look at the Nebraska game for a second because mm-hmm. I thought that was like – that game actually had the feeling of um, of the Northwestern game where it kind of did seem like they were going to come back, you know, or I guess take the lead in the bottom of the seventh. They put runners on first and second with no outs. They had – Two, three, four, five up, um, and Audrey Leclerc just hit a grounder to second, and the second baseman tagged Christina Burkhart running second, maybe, and ended up in a double play. Like if that call goes the other way, which it very easily could have. I mean, obviously there wasn't indisputable evidence; they couldn't overturn it. But if that call goes the other way, you've got runners on second and third, one out with three, four, five up. Like you can't blame their loss on a call when they only get three hits in a game, but like, they really seem like they know how to win these tight games right now, even if they didn't win that one. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think that goes back to what Jody was talking about, about them being able to, having six comeback victories in their past 12 games. Like, I think they've figured it out, um, whereas earlier in the season when they would give up early runs and when they would go down early, they just wouldn't come back. Like, I think in both games in that Nebraska series, actually, no, in the second game, they gave up a lead. But, like, it feels like that's something they've really figured out throughout the season is that when they do have pitching struggles and when they do come, go down, they're able to piece it together. Yeah. Yeah, considering, obviously, the season Michigan's had, I think, you know, they couldn't have asked for a much better Big Ten championship uh, tournament, right? Obviously, they didn't get the, the championship win, but really good uh, – Really good little push for them, and that leads us into our kind of our final segment here, and that's kind of the main event here. We got the NCA uh, tournament here coming up with the regional and the UCF region in Orlando. Um, our very own Joey and Noah will be there covering it live, and and Josh and Charlie will be helping out remote as well, of course. Um, so let's let's get right into it. You got South Dakota State. That'll be the first game, and a it's a little round robin uh, or double nation. I wouldn't necessarily call it round robin, but a little double nation that includes Villanova. And the host, University of Central Florida in Orlando. Uh, any initial initial thoughts on on this grouping here um, before we kind of get into our predictions and all that? What does Michigan need? What what has to happen here? Uh, without necessarily, just what what are you guys seeing in the group? Basically, I mean, so obviously they get the 16th seeded host, so technically the easiest host in UCF, and UCF is a beatable team. Michigan already. But I mean, Hutch has said this, both of them are very different teams now. UCF wasn't necessarily the best at anything in their conference, but that's mainly because South Florida has a ridiculous pitcher in Georgina Kirk and Wichita State has ridiculous hitting, Mm -hmm. but they were really solid on both sides of the ball. Uh, They're fast on the bases, good defensively, and they're just going to be a really tough team to beat, especially on their home field. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's not like uh, Michigan can overlook either of the other two teams either. Um, South Dakota State uh, has played Nebraska three times and has beaten them twice. And that, I mean, that's the Nebraska team that has beat Michigan three times this year. Mm-hmm. Um, some quality opponents, some Big Ten experience, some other big names that they've played. Uh, can't overlook the Jackrabbits here. 
Yeah, and I mean, even if you look at Nova, they they weren't great at the plate, um, but they shut out the last three opponents they played. They had an all Big East pitcher, I think. Um, and like, yeah, they're definitely the weakest team in this region, but they will put up a fight. I mean, every team is playing to get further than the regional, and it, like, it's not going to be easy against any of them, even if the teams don't look great on paper. Yeah, uh, I definitely think I liked what Josh brought up with South Dakota that mm-hmm. they can't be overlooked. I think the fact that they beat Nebraska twice, a team that has swept Michigan uh, in all three games they played, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they fare. Because, and I think another interesting thing you got to see is in all the games that they played in Nebraska, they were really, really high scoring games. I think they won one game like 16 to 4 or something like that. So, they have the capability at the plate to put up big numbers. So the question really is going to come down to can Alex DiRocco, whoever's pitching, prevent that? And if it does become a shootout, like is Michigan are are the bats going to be hot enough to keep up? Yeah, I think overall this is a relatively uh, favorable region for Michigan given the. Uh, you know, wide swath of common opponents and the fact that they have played the host before. Um, it does provide a relative, um, a rel- a relatively easy path, especially when they just have the immediate um, force, uh, they have the immediate, you know, hindsight of, you know, having to travel to Seattle last year and take on a very, very talented Washington team. Um, there's definitely some strengths here for them. Uh, to fight through from, um, you know, from South Dakota State's uh, pitching, keeping it tight to um, even, you know, UCF, um, you know, causing them to have to keep up a little bit. But um, this overall, I would say, pretty favorable region for Michigan here, especially if they weren't going to be the host. I think Joe is right. I think that this is a winnable region for Michigan. Um, I, nothing's guaranteed, obviously. Um, but like, like Joey said, UCF is beatable. Um, South Dakota state is beatable, but the question is really like, are we going to get the Michigan? uh, And when I say, are we, are we as like a viewership going to get the Michigan that played at the big 10 tournament or are they going to come out flat? I think because it's double elimination, um, well, everyone will probably see Michigan like, at least pick it up because they're not a team that really loses a bunch of games in a row, except for that weird stiff at the beginning of the season. Um, I think they'll probably figure it out. Um, and I, I, I do think they'll make it through, but it should, I think it'll be tight. I think that mm-hmm. the last, um, the last, the final, whoever it's against will probably go three games. Okay. Yeah. You guys bring us some really good points. And you mentioned last year, Michigan was very displeased with uh, <clears throat> what happened last year with where they were sent uh, Washington, although they were, uh, given 16th by the committee, were ranked top five for most of the year in the actual uh, polling. Um, so definitely more favorable. And yeah, Charlie, sorry, hinting at predictions. So let's get into predictions for the tournament. And Charlie, if you want to kind of continue what you were saying on your kind of your line of thought there, and then we'll kind of go around the table after you. Yeah, I think I think I see Michigan taking out UCF in the final. Okay. Uh, of this regional, um, because both of them. It seems like it's just easy to pick the top picks, and I think it's because that they are the best teams. I, I I know South Dakota State is good, but I don't see Michigan losing twice to them or, or Villanova. So I see Michigan in the final game. I see that going three, and then I see them winning. Uh, but then they're going to run into Oklahoma, 
and Oklahoma has won four national titles in I think the last seven or eight years, and they're the number one seed this year for a reason. I think they've only lost two games all year, and I just I think that Michigan was probably going to go out to Oklahoma and Super Regional. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to have a different prediction than that. Um, I think South Dakota State makes some waves. I think, I think they kind of put Michigan on the back foot early. Maybe an explosive first couple innings, three or four runs. But I think I think Michigan gets it under control, shows their comeback, their tenacity, and overall takes that game. And I think overall, though, I think maybe they drop a game and then eventually take it over UCF to reach the Super Regionals. But again, Oklahoma's Oklahoma. I don't see Michigan beating them. Just not not even at their peak. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's really hard to go away from that projection. Um, I mean, it, it's very possible that Michigan loses in Orlando. Um, UCF is a very good team, and they could – I mean – Power five conferences get a lot of love when it comes to seeding, typically, and they're not a power five conference team, so maybe they're a little underseeded. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think so. I think they're right around where they should be with that last seed, that last national seed. But they could they could definitely surprise some people um, by meeting Michigan. But regardless of if Michigan gets past that, I mean, there's just. It seems like there's no beating Oklahoma. To take one game from that, let alone two, would be insane for Michigan to do. It Only two teams have done it all year. Um, and, like, we saw Michigan play one of those teams, Oklahoma State, earlier this year. And they lost 4 nothing. They didn't really look competitive in that game. Obviously, a lot's changed since then. But a lot's changed for Oklahoma, too. And they just get better and better. And it's just it's hard to see Michigan beating them in the Super Regionals. So no secret, the regionals have gotten the best of Michigan for this last stretch of years here. Um, so you know, the the beat almost unanimously unanimously picking Michigan to go through is definitely done with plenty of caution. And um, I'll just go back to what we were talking about at the beginning. This is an uncharacteristic Michigan team. More dominant Michigan teams have um, gotten eliminated in this first weekend. Uh, when they perhaps even shouldn't have, or when they had less favorable matchups, as we referenced. But I think this team and all of its uncharacteristic elements, both good and bad, that you know the team, the team that had such an uncharacteristically bad Big Ten start and has built from that, has built the tenacity to be able to finally break through and get through the regional. It might not be the team you'd expect out of this group of teams. Uh, these last few years in Michigan to do so, but I think I see it happening. Now, we have to keep in mind that UCF has actually never won a regional before, so they're sitting on a different type of desire to get through the regional of their own. This is their first time hosting, and they've won the most games at home that they've ever won in their program's history since 2016, so these are all different teams. Um, You know, Just like how Michigan is different, UCF is also different as compared to the last time they played each other, but I think that Michigan's going to get through. It is unfortunate that they're going to end up in Norman because there's just no avoiding what Oklahoma is right now. And Mm. that will be the super regional will be a new challenge that they can finally focus on this coming season next year, 2023. 
and Paul, I hate to jump in really quick. No, go for it. If if Michigan loses in this regional, and uh, what five or six years without making it through a regional, what mm-hmm. what do you what do you guys think that says? Like, do you think that that's something that Coach Hutchins should be worried about, or do you think that that's just part of what comes with playing softball? I think personally, I I think there's a it's hard because. It feels like this team is not as good as many teams that haven't escaped the region for, for whatever reason. But, I mean, for some reason it feels like this is the year. I, I know that's not your question, but um, I think if they do end up losing, I, I don't think it's a cause for concern in terms of like mental roadblocks. This team did make a run in the Big Ten tournament. They probably were – I mean, they certainly weren't expected to. But, I mean – they showed they can play clutch softball when it's the time comes, and maybe having an off tournament one out of two is just going to happen at times. But yeah, I, I don't think it's a cause for concern overall. You know, I again, I as you know, for us, for us as a beat to sit here after five years of Michigan being unable to escape a regional and predict them to do just that. You know, if they, if they, if 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 those predictions end up incorrect again, I, I mean, it's certainly disappointing from a program perspective and the foremost person who's going to be, you know, upset about that result is Carol Hutchins. But I considering, considering what this team is and considering um, what we've seen, we've seen, um, we've seen different things out of them, both good and bad. And while that could be the thing that finally breaks the pattern um, because it's broken other patterns, it would be less surprising than other teams if they didn't make it through this regional. So while coming off of a season like last season where it is the disappointment that it is and it does become this big program conversation of what is Michigan going to do from here, I, I don't quite think it's the same thing this time even though it is one more year to add to the streak and another, another painful off season. So I, I, I wouldn't put as much weight on the streak continuing this year as perhaps previous years, but, um, and wouldn't be surprised if it does, but um, this team in, you know, maybe throwing different things at the wall might be finally the thing that breaks it. Through, so. Good stuff, Charlie. I'd love to answer your question as well. Um, I think it would be a, a pretty big cause of uh, for concern. Um, and just from my perspective, I remember, you know, when I was in your guys' shoes last year covering the softball team for first pitch, I did a uh, column. So we're talking like before last season's Big Ten started, so a really long, really long time ago. You guys are still in uh, – some of you might have still been in high school maybe. Or not – only Charlie actually. <laughs> but um, still a long time ago. Uh and I said, like, Michigan – it was kind of like Michigan has the tools, but is this the year that they finally break it? And I, I talked about these many years, and now here we are, like, you know, over a year later, and we're still talking about it. So I think if – although you guys bring up good points, of course, that with the way the season's gone, that it would be, you know, if they don't make it, it – you know, the the what I'm trying to say is, uh like, man, I'm really mumbling my words right now, but – the reason I'm trying to say is that it'd be concerning, although they had an underwhelming season, are finally playing well, and they did play well in the Big Ten. They show that they have some momentum. Um, even with – they still have an extremely talented roster still, and you guys have touched on that, I think, throughout the season. Um, so being able to undo it, un, 
unable to do it for another year, I think would be very concerning for the program. It's supposed to be a very, uh, you know, elite program in the softball world. And to be unable to do, uh, to reach a super regional, let alone college world series, we're just talking super regional elite programs are supposed to go to college world series, uh, you know, every couple of years. So I think it'd be concerning. Yes. Sorry. I, think, I, I, I got all mumbled yeah, up I'm there. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Paul, I think you're right. And um, I think the thing about it is that softball has gone through a lot of changes in these past 10 years. I think the first 30 years of the women's college world series, the PAC 12 won like 28 out of 30. And so in the recent years, it's opened up the SEC is winning them. The ACC is winning them. Um, sorry, the big 12 is winning them. And, Hutch has been very vocal about she thinks that the Big Ten is ready to make that jump. But the interesting question is, is Michigan going to be that program? Michigan has always been the flagship of the Big Ten. Um, but if it's going six years without making a uh, super regional, what, what does that do from a recruiting standpoint? Can they recruit as good people? Like, does a recruit maybe say, hey, I want to go to Minnesota where they made a Women's College World Series in 2019, or I want to go to Northwestern? who is making it further than Michigan consistently. Like, I think, I don't know about consistently, but if if they make it through their region this year, I think it just, it should be slightly cause for concern. And I think that, not concern, but I think it's a negative thing. And I think Hutch would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, this is speaking into the future, because we're all predicting that they're going to make it through. But uh, if they don't, it'll be interesting to kind of see what Hutch has to say about that. All right. Awesome stuff, guys. We're just about uh, running out of time. Really appreciate you guys joining me. And, uh, you know, we'll all be watching uh, what, what plays out in Orlando this weekend. So keep up the good work. Keep up the great coverage, guys. And, and we will be, we'll be seeing you around. Appreciate the time. That'll do it for this week's episode of Highway to Hail. Thanks to the Softball Beat for joining me, and additional thanks to Jimmy Malone for editing this podcast. As always, treat all of our content as the season progresses. Head to our website at michigandaily.com backslash sports. Until next time, see ya.